Welcome on in to the Zach Gelb Show right here on CBS Sports Radio. Ryan Hickey in for Zach on this Thursday. A happy Thursday to you. A great Thursday to you. And you know why it's a great Thursday? It's a Thursday in the summer. We got football on the TV. Hopefully where you are, the weather is good as well. And vibes are high. So you are listening to us right here on CBS Sports Radio, which makes this Thursday a little bit better as well. And we do appreciate you joining us. Where else? But right here on CBS Sports Radio. All right. I want to talk some college football. And no, before I go any further, I'm sure everyone is sick and tired of conference realignment talk. Who's the best conference? Who should leave next? What about uh, Cal? What about Stanford? No, 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 no. We're not talking college football in the eye and with the sense of conference realignment. What I want to talk about is college football playoff expansion now coming off of conference realignment. Greg Sankey was on the Paul Feinbaum show earlier this week. I'll play that sound in a little bit here. But he was talking about how because of the conference realignment, because of the fact that the Pac-12 is basically dead as we know it, and will be no more going forward after this 2023 season, that they have to get back to the table and discuss are changes needed to the format of the college football playoff. Here is something that is non-negotiable when it comes to reformatting the college football playoff expansion set to go to 12 teams next year. What's non-negotiable is the amount of teams included. There is no way in hell you can move off of 12 teams. We can revisit the format. We can revisit who gets the buys. We can revisit who gets the home games in the first round. All well, all good. Let's have a discussion. What we cannot discuss, what cannot be brought up, what cannot be changed is the number of teams that are going to make the college football playoff in 2024 and beyond. The number has to stay at 12. 12 is the perfect number, and here is why. We need 12. We need expansion more than ever. These conferences are getting so big that the reality is you can now no longer play your way into the college football playoff. That is the reality. You can no longer play your way into the college football playoff when you're talking about conferences that have 16 teams, 18 teams even. It's not possible. It's not realistic. Because of conference realignment, you can now no longer play your way into the college football playoff. And that is why 12 teams is needed. It is needed because, you know what? When you have these loaded conferences, when you have schools that are barely going to play each other in their conference, you still need a way to give them an opportunity to make the college football playoff and compete for a national title. Because right now, these conferences are so big, they could easily get screwed on a tiebreaker and have their season end prematurely before it should. With these conferences consolidating, we now need, I think, expansion more than ever. Look at the two mega conferences that are developing right now in front of our eyes. The Big Ten has 18 schools starting in 2024. The SEC will have 16 schools. The Big Ten is going to play nine conference games for an 18-team conference. The SEC is going to play eight conference games for a 16-team conference, meaning 
on any given year, you are not playing half your conference. So that's what I say and what I mean when I say you can no longer play your way into the college football playoff. If you are 12-0, if you are 11-1, if you win your conference, most likely you have a very good, if not guaranteed, chance to make the college football playoff. Now, when you have an 18-team league in the Big Ten, when you have USC, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Oregon, Wisconsin, I love the hire with Luke Fickle. They're on the come up. When you have all those teams in the same conference and barely playing each other just because of the sheer volume of the conference, how can you truly feel good about then that the teams that make the Big Ten title game and win the Big Ten championship are truly the best teams in the conference? There is an absolute realistic situation and possibility here. We could see next year in 2024, USC 11-1, and Ohio State 11-1, and Michigan, let's say 11-1. and Three teams, which right there you say, oh, you go 11-1, you are in a great spot to be in your conference title game and make a chance or have a chance, I should say, to play your way into the college football playoff. Well, last time I checked, conference championship games only feature two teams. You have three teams that are 11-1. and All of a sudden, someone's going to be the odd man out. Someone's getting screwed because of a tiebreaker, and now all of a sudden, you're 11-1 and and in a four-team college football playoff are left out, are at home, not competing for a championship, despite the fact that you weren't able to play everyone in your conference and thus missed out on getting maybe a valuable tiebreaker to get into the conference championship game and play your way into making one of the four spots. In a 12-team playoff, that is eliminated. That top heaviness where you could have two, three teams in the Big Ten, two or three teams in the SEC, all ranked within the top 10, all legitimately vying for, you know, a national title that could win if they're in it, but half of them won't have a chance because there's only four, and more than half will not even be in their uh, conference championship game. I think access is a priority here. And I don't want, I don't, I never get this, this gatekeeping it happens with a college football playoff where everyone freaks out and says, four, we only can say a four. We cannot expand. We cannot allow any other team to have the opportunity to compete for a national championship. Cannot happen. College football is the only sport that freaks out about the playoff. The NFL is at 14 teams. They went from six to seven what was that? I think 2020 was the exact year. Don't quote me on that. So three years ago. Is anyone complaining, by the way? Last time I checked, now that we've had, I think, three NFL seasons of seven teams in each conference making the playoffs. Last time I checked, I didn't see anyone bitching about that. No one that's an NFL fan has complained the NFL playoffs are too big. Too many teams make it. Why are we doing that in college football? Makes no sense. But we need it now more than ever with these conferences consolidating, coming together, forming, unfortunately, which I don't think is good for the sport, two super conferences. When you have Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, USC, Oregon, UCLA, Wisconsin, own the same conference, and because you're only playing half the conference, unable to play each other to determine who is the best, who is going to go to the conference title game, when you have the SEC with Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Oklahoma, Texas, 
amongst other schools as well. And they can't play everybody because they're also getting rid of divisions. And again, you're only playing half the teams in your conference. You can't play everybody. So now we're looking at tiebreakers and win percentage. You could be left out and get the short end of the stick here of not making your conference title game and not making the cultural playoff because of technicalities or pure numbers or even worse tiebreakers. Nobody wants that. Let the deserving teams in and give them a chance. That's all we're talking about here. Giving teams a chance. That's why I think the number has to stay at 12. Without a doubt, 12 is the perfect number now that we are consolidating and having a lot of these big-time title-contending teams grouped and reduced to basically two conferences for the most part. But another reason, another reason why 12 is important, it still does promote parity. Parity in putting pushing recruits across the country. Also parity in not allowing the Big Ten and the SEC to completely and utterly dominate college football. If we stick to four teams, what are the chances on a given year that it's that teams not in the Big Ten or SEC make it? I think very little. Very little. You can bare minimum pencil in three teams between the Big Ten and SEC combined to take up four spots of the college role playoff if it stays at 12. And look at the teams, again, we're talking about. The teams I just listed before, Georgia, Bama, LSU, Texas, Oklahoma, in the SEC. Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, USC, Oregon, Washington, in the Big Ten. Those are all obviously going to be there next year, right? And I know we're still a year away, but you look at this year's coaches poll, the early coaches poll that was released, The top seven teams in the country voted on by the coaches next year will all either be in the Big Ten or the SEC. So when it comes to parity, I don't think it's good for the sport if only teams in the Big Ten and SEC make the uh, the cultural playoff nine out of ten years. Sure, there's an odd year or two. Maybe Clemson sneaks in once or twice a year or Florida State or you get another surprise TCU Eight out of 10, nine out of 10 years, you're getting four teams combined from the Big Ten and SEC. That is bad. That is bad for the sport. 12 teams helps to, again, spread out the talent and still bring some parity where the ACC can each and every year believe, okay, we're getting the playoff. Big 12, hey, we're getting the playoff, and maybe we can get multiple teams in the playoff. That is good for college football. Giving teams belief, having teams going into it any given year, believing they can make the playoff, let's start there, make the playoff, is good for college football, is good for the interest of the sport. Going into a year where we can predetermine the three teams that are guaranteed to make the playoff and those three that are probably going to be the three that are uh, one of the three is going to win the national title, that is not good for college football. Predictability is awful. Awful. And so the less predictability, I think the more buzz and more excitement you can have for an upcoming season. 12 teams helps maintain parity, but also, too, when you have so many big-time, highly successful programs in one of two conferences, expanding the playoff also allows those right, just teams that deserve to have a chance to to compete for a championship and make sure they don't get screwed by a tiebreaker in their own conference and kind of get left out. 12 teams is necessary. You want to talk about the format? You want to say the Pac-12 
They don't get, obviously, a, an automatic qualifier into the couch wall playoff like it's been agreed upon before. No problem. Go back to the drawing board and rework the format. But what should not be revamped, what should not be discussed, is minimizing the number of teams that get into the college football playoff. 12 is perfect, and 12, with all this conference realignment, is needed more than ever. If you are someone that believes that college football playoff expansion is bad, and they need to shrink it down from 12 teams, give me a call. 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. You could tweet me at Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three. I want to hear you out. I think you're wrong. I want to have a good discussion about it. But I want to hear an actual reason why going and reducing the number from 12 is a good idea because to me it makes no sense whatsoever. Elijah is calling from Wisconsin. What's up, Elijah? I was going to comment. I mean, I kind of agree with you. And also, there's another thing, too. They expanded the NCAA to make more money, too. Won't they make more money if they expanded this tournament as well? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the biggest doing it, uh, reason why they're doing it, uh, Eli and Elijah. You know that, is, is money. But, yes, that the money, more money will come with more playoff games. That's without a doubt for certain. Yeah, so you're, I'm just proving your point. It's an even better idea. So, yeah, no, I appreciate the comment. I'm with you there. It's, I mean, it's the best of both worlds in the sense that more schools, more conferences get more money, which is what everyone obviously is chasing. You do get a bonus for making the college football playoff. So, again, with, with everyone chasing the dollar right now and moving conferences because of what they're going to get from TV revenue, going to 12 is also going to provide more revenue as well for schools and for conferences. So, again, to me, it makes no sense why you should shrink it but especially now, with how top-heavy the Big Ten is, with how loaded the SEC is, I just can't see a world where you could sit here and say four is the right, nub, uh, right number and feel good about that. Whatsoever. So I'd love to hear your thoughts. 855-212-4227. If you think the college football playoff needs to shrink, tell me right now. 855-212-4227 at Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three. When we return, I would argue right now, the most powerful man in college football, especially, but college athletics, is Greg Sankey, SEC commissioner. He spoke and gave his thoughts about the number of teams uh, in the college role playoff next year. Should they shrink it? He gave his answer. We'll play that when we do return. It's Ryan Hickey in for Zach Gelb right here on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to the Zach Gelb Show. Ryan Hickey in for Zach Gelb right here on this Thursday. Welcome on. And if you miss any part of the show, Check us out, Hick at Night, anywhere you get your podcast. That's where you can find my podcast feed, and you can find all four hours of this show uploaded again. Hick at Night, Night spelled N-I-T-E. Get all uh, my Saturday morning show uh, as well, 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. Eastern right here on CBS Sports Radio. And anytime I do fill in for Zach, that's where you can find the entirety of each and every show, Hick at Night, again, N-I-T-E, on that night spelling. We are talking a lot about right now college football playoff expansion. With all the conference realignment going on, should re, should expansion be reconsidered? We went to 12 teams, or we were going to go to 12 teams, I should say, in large part with five conference champions, group of five champion as well, and five wild or six wild cards. Now with all these big-time schools really consolidating into two conferences, is it time to reconsider 
shrinking the number of teams that are going to make the playoff starting next year? I don't think so. I think 12 is perfect. It absolutely should stay at 12. And now more than ever, I think we need uh, college football playoff expansion with all these big-name schools kind of all cooped up in two conferences. But forget about my opinion for a second. Right? Who am I? Talk show host, filling in for Zach, nothing more than that. Let's hear someone with actual power who actually has a say in the matter. SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey was on the Paul Feinbaum show earlier this week. He was asked about should there be considerations of changing the number of teams that make the college football playoff. Here's what Greg Sankey had to say. The access we've created uh, through the 12-team format uh, still seems wise, but maybe there are elements and specifics of what was decided uh, when we had clarity around 10 conferences that, that might need to be adjusted given what's happening right now. I'm 100% with Sankey. It's all about the access. Give access to the college football playoff to the teams that deserve it. And I think right now, four is too little, in my opinion. I don't understand why there's all, you know, why everyone is, is sacredly guarding this college football playoff. Like, how dare a quote-unquote unworthy team make the college football playoff? We can't have that. That is the worst thing to ever happen in college sports is having an undeserving team be one of the teams competing for a national championship. It makes no sense to me. 12 is the right number, and especially now. Again, when you have in one conference, USC, Washington, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Oregon. In another conference, you have Georgia, Alabama, LSU, Oklahoma, and Texas. How is like how do you expect just one team, maybe, maybe two teams to come out of each conference? That's unrealistic. You think there's only going to be in the Big 10 in 2024 one, maybe two college football playoff worthy teams? No. I think the SEC is going to produce one college football playoff caliber team? Absolutely not. Expanding to 12 now that these conferences that are already strong already have produced multiple teams going to a four-team college football playoff. Now you're adding other teams that either have been to the college football playoff or are knocking on the door. You expect the same number to sit there at four and think that's going to be okay? No, 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 no. Going to 12 is the right move. And even with now the consolidation that we're seeing in college football, expansion is needed now more than ever. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. If you think the college football playoff needs to shrink from 12 teams, Give me a call. Tell me why. Also, give me a tweet at Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three. John is calling from Chapel Hill. What's up, John? Hey, guys. Ryan, I just want to say, you know, you and Zach, I love your show. And normally, my opinions align with you when you're when you're nice. uh, producing and stuff. But I got to tell you, brother, tonight, I don't think I've agreed with a dang thing you said all night. <laughs> so I, don't, I don't know. You're doing your job. Let's we'll call it you're doing your job. John. You're pushing buttons. <laughs> but I, I do not agree with the 12-team playoff. It was too big of a jump, too quick. I get it. We went from bowl games and a national championship. We got a playoff, okay, a 14-team playoff. But they went from 4 to 12. I mean, they tripled the size in one iteration. 
It just seems like too big of a bite. And especially with all the, the conference realignment, which I'm not a fan of that either. I mean, the big 18, really? Seriously, we're going there? The um, I'm, an, I'm a Does Kentucky guy. I'm an huh? SEC guy all the way, so I hope I could get it. You know, we were growing a little bit, but I hope we don't do that. But nonetheless, with those types of changes going on, definitely going to affect, you know, the, the playoff and what this looks like. And I just feel like they just they just kind of took too big of a bite all at once, going from four to 12 teams. There should have been maybe eight, a step to eight, and see how that goes, see what this conference alignment does. And and I used to be of the opinion, no playoff. No, no, no. These are, these are college kids. They're not professionals. They're not getting paid. They could get hurt, blah, blah, blah. But now with NIL in the mix, hell yeah, man, let's have some playoff games. You know, they're getting paid. Let's, um, I don't know to what extent, games, but you know, I feel I'm a little better you, about it now. I appreciate the call, but here's what I'll explain why 12 I think is the perfect number. I think 12 hits every single box we're looking for. Here's what I mean. Okay, 12 teams in the college world playoff, right? How you split it up, though, is how is is basically that you give every single team competing for a playoff spot, you give them a reason to have the regular season meaningful. Here's what I mean. 12-team college world playoff. I would say it's pretty much a lock going forward. Georgia is going to be one of the 12 teams in the college world playoff. Ohio State, Alabama, right? There are a few teams three, four, maybe, that you could pencil in each and every year saying they're going to be in the college world playoff in a 12-team iteration. So you could argue, well, those those schools, you know, that, that their, their regular season now is irrelevant because they're a lock where even if they lose one game, maybe some years lose two games, they're still going to be in the college world playoff competing for a national title. Here's, though, why 12 is important. Because it still gives the teams at the top a reason to compete, and it still makes their regular season meaningful. The first four teams get a bye. So now if you're Georgia, yeah, you're most likely in no matter what. But now how you get in, where you get in, is now the question. Are you going to get a bye? I think every team wants a bye. It's one less playoff game you have to worry about, one less chance to get injured, one less chance to lose. You can skip the first round and go pass, go for free. You're going to take it. So now Georgia's not playing to make the playoff. They're playing to get a bye. They're playing to be one of the top four teams in the country. So you give those elite teams at the top a, still, a reason to still have their regular season meaningful because one loss could be the difference between them not playing in round number one and playing in round number one. That's why I think 12 is good because it gives you that opportunity to have buys and build in at the top reasons to keep the best team still motivated. I love the fact that in the first round, teams five through eight host a playoff game. College football, what separates college football from the NFL is the atmosphere the pageantry, the student sections, the raucous nature that is a college football game. You don't get that in any other sport. And the fact that the biggest games of the year are always played on neutral sites drives me insane. Now you can get playoff games at home. You can go to Death Valley at LSU, Penn State with a whiteout. We have tremendous, tremendous home field advantages all throughout the country. And now, for how loud they are in the regular season, Imagine what it's going to sound like for a playoff game. That's going to be an electric atmosphere that only, I think, is going to benefit the teams. And playing is going to be a lot of fun, the fans in the stands, but also us, the viewer, getting that electric feel and getting goosebumps just from hearing the crowd in a playoff game. That is great. And obviously, you give, again, teams more, you know, more ability and more chances to win, but it's kind of almost like the NBA playing tournament where the teams at the top still have motivation to play because you give them a bye. The teams in the middle still have motivation because even though you could firmly feel like you're in the cultural playoff, now you're playing for a home game. If you don't, you know, if you're not one of the top four teams, you can still play for something. You can get a nice home game. And the teams at the end fighting to get in. 
So you give all these teams tons of motivation in order to still have their season be meaningful. That's why I think 12 teams is, is truly the right way to go. Tony is calling from Vancouver, Washington. What's up, Tony? Hey, I've been a devout college football fan for 50 years. I'm too old for this. I'm too old for this change. This change doesn't make sense. When you're going to try to put Cal and Stanford on the Atlantic coast, it doesn't make sense. That's as far away from the Atlantic coast you can get besides Hawaii. So, And you know where they're doing it, right, Tony? I'm a lot of money, of course, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to give it a chance. But I, I can't see how this is going to make any sense to me, and I can I, I can continue to be a college football fan. I just don't see it. I mean, I, I would agree with you, Tony, in the sense that it makes no sense, and it's I think it's bad for college football with all this movement, all these schools chasing money and having these drastic changes in conferences of what conference, you know, this conference is making $60 million, this one is making $30 million, so you have a $30 million deficit between some schools compared to others. I think it's bad. I think it's bad that they're chasing the money. I get it. But at the same time, I understand why they're doing it. It sucks, but unfortunately, it's the reality right now. And hopefully, the college football playoff expanding will kind of lessen um, the uneasiness that you have and the weirdness for sure. You're going to have watching, potentially, Count Stafford in the ACC, but definitely having Oregon playing a conference game against Rutgers. That's for sure. Quickly, Dave is calling from Green Bay. What's up, Dave? Hey, I actually agree with you, but I think it needs to go even further to the other direction that the FBS playoffs are awesome at 24, but rather than go beyond 12 right now, why don't we go to the conference championships of the super conferences and establish semifinals before we get to the conference championships? I'm a diehard Big Ten person. I have been my entire life. If we're going to have these conferences of 18, 20, whatever we get to, Let's have semifinals and then finals. That's interesting. I appreciate the call. I got to think about that. That's interesting because, again, we're having 18 teams in the Big Ten. You're only playing nine conference games. You're not playing half the schedule. You're not playing half the schedule. The reason why, at this point, kind of think about it for at least a minute or so, I would initially say I'm good on that. I'll pass on the conference semifinals. Is because if you are good enough to make the conference semifinals of the Big Ten or the SEC, you are good enough to make the college roll playoff most likely. So that that is your championship right there. That's where you will truly be able to make your hay. So I don't think we have to have now semifinal games for conferences, but that's why I think the 12 teams I think is really a, a great format and still allows you to be in a tough conference, maybe not win the conference, maybe not even make the conference title game, but still have a legitimate shot playing only half your conference with 18 teams in it and only nine games. Um, to still make the college football playoff and compete for the ultimate prize. All right, it is Ryan Hickey in for Zach Gale right here on CBS Sports Radio. Marco Belletti's in the house. Now, I don't know why, Marco, but I always do enjoy um, asking you physically challenging questions. Physically challenging. Yes. You want to see my fat ass actually think about physically challenging. So okay. a few weeks ago, we were talking about, what was it, the likely, oh, it was like I give you a million dollars for free or you have a chance to win $20 million by completing a pass in an NFL game. Oh, like, right, we right, did, right. You know, Score 15 points in an NBA game. Mm-hmm. So I got one different for you here. Okay. No money involved. <laughs> you, for you know, you are going to be dropped into a random athletic event of your choosing. Mm-hmm. The world is on your shoulders. So this is life or death. Either you you complete this challenge and the world lives, or you fail and everyone dies. You have four <laughs> options. <laughs> All right. Make a free throw. Mm-hmm. Hit a penalty kick. Hit a 25-yard field goal. Or make a six-foot putt. Those are the four options. You got to choose one. World 
is on the line. I think it's easy. Now, again, my choice. This is the idea of, you know, now or at any point in my life? Now, right now. Uh, The aliens come down, they take over the earth, and they say, Marco Bloody, we are choosing you. All right, then I've got an answer, but it's got an asterisk. It's got a caveat. Okay. Normally, I would take the free throw. Okay. And I would do that, and I wouldn't even blink. I wouldn't think twice. That's the easiest one, the best one, up my alley. I was actually a really good free throw shooter. However, I'm working off a torn labrum and a possible torn rotator cuff. I'm pretty sure I can't knock down a free throw right now. Okay, let's just say that you So that's what I'm saying. If I, if you, can you give me some health here? Sure. I'll still be fat. Can we'll I get some health? We'll give you like a year. We'll give you a full All right. rehab. Then, yes. Your shoulder's Th- back. Then, then yeah, You're give me the free, the free throw. throw. I'll take the free throw. Interesting. Nick? The only other one is the penalty kick, but I was never good at soccer. So I, I'm not going to trust myself in that spot. That's what I honestly I saw that I picked the penalty kick. I thought there it was is a, easy. there is a goalkeeper, correct? Yes, there's yeah, a goalkeeper. I, no, I'm not good like enough. The goal is big enough. The goal is huge. So it's hard you ever for take you to one? miss. No, no, I mean, yes. Like no, you never took one. Youth soccer. So no, you never took one. No, that's why you're saying that. I don't think it's that you hard because you've never done it. There you go. I think it's the least. I am mentally weak. For those that are unaware, listening, it's very I think easy to tell. I break under pressure, so I'm looking at this in terms of pressure. I think. The least pressurized is easier the penalty kick. The goal is wide enough. I get there's a goalie there, but like here's I was telling Nick before. Mm-hmm. Here's my strategy. I'm assuming it's some sort of pressure on goalkeeper, right down the middle. Okay. There, I'm sure in their mind, roles reverse here. If, if we go into the mind of the goalie, right? Because they've second, never seen anybody. They are right thinking, okay, this guy is going to go probably top left, maybe bottom right. He's going to try to be the hero. You're going to be able He's to disguise your eyes. The narp that I am, uh-huh. that I'm going to try to paint the corner. Think that I'm going to try to be the hero. I'm not an idiot. I'm going right down the middle. I'll let him jump to the right or left. I'm going to hit down the middle. Okay. So he's watching. This is an actual real goalkeeper, right? So he's watching your eyes, and he's watching your movements. He's watching your hips. He's watching your feet. He knows exactly what you're going to do before you do it. You know that, right? No. I'm, I'm they do this I do, for I'm a living. It well. I get it. I get it. But I, I think I'd be fine. I think I'd truly be fine. Well, I'm not worried about we're all dead. picking up my uh, my habits. But ha- free throw, I know I would be with the world on my shoulders. I would melt. With a free throw, I absolutely would. The field goal thing is by far the hardest. No, I like, can't do that. I, I've kicked a couple of field goals, like in you know joking around or whatever. But I'm not good at that. I can't do that. Stuff. With the world on the line, oh forget that. I can't, can't. I couldn't do that if we were just you know hanging out. Can you knock down a 25 yard field goal just to you know for you know what and giggles? Probably right. no. So no, I'm and not doing that. And that's the one I'm sure you've done. The everyone here listening has done the least of. Like you can't get pound to kick in soccer with your friends. You can you putt around the mini golf or the like. Not a lot of people. I guess. Yeah, I'm not a golfer, so that's why that one's not even an option for me. I'm not a golfer. Nick picked six foot. It look if I was a golfer. He's not a golfer. He said, "Oh, I do a lot of mini putt putt." Yeah, no. (laughs) It just seemed like the easiest thing. Like I know I'm not going to make a field goal. I know I'm not going to do any of the other things. So I get it. It's and if you're looking so at it, the least of, you know, whatever, but I mean, is this a flat green? Like, I, I don't know. I don't know any of those things. And I don't Even know how to, if it is, that's once you get off the ball, I think you realize, wow, this is pressures on you. How hard do you hit it? Do you hit it right to left, left to right. I get middle? it. But if you don't know how to do any of them, I see Nick's logic. I mean, out of all of them, it takes the least physical skill, if you will. Sure. I get, yes, I guess. So if you're yeah. gonna t- if you're gonna roll the dice, if you have no concept of doing any of that, then yeah, I could get it. If you tell me it's flat, yeah, I could see it. I don't know if you're hitting it, but I could see it. It may require the least physical skill, but also I think it also I think requires the most technical skill. 
Uh, maybe not the most technical. Probably a field goal, but I mean, it's close. Possibly, but also you can, you know, you can fudge that. You can fudge that. You don't have to have good technique to knock down putts. You don't. It's really not that far. You got to right. do it consistently. You got to have good technique. You got to hit one. You can get away with it. I think a six foot would be further than you think when you're lined up over it. Again, world literally on your shoulders. I mean, this is not I'll you take at the mini golf course <laughs> on hole three with your friend trying to hit it through the clown's mouth. <laughs> this is life or death. Well, like I said, my uh, life, uh, Marco's life is on the line. <laughs> you better get over that ball and feel confident. Yeah, that's I going understand in. that. That's why I said that my best, the best bet for humankind is for me to do the six foot putt. Right, otherwise, right. I think we're all doomed. I will. I mean, I'll well, I got to tell you, I mean, this conversation, I think we're all doomed. No yeah, matter what. I mean, not for nothing. And listening to you with the, your brilliant strategy on how you're going to take the penalty kick, we're done. It's uh, over. I think that's by far. We got no out shot. Of the three of us. I think I'm by far the most successful. You're the most athletic out of the three of us, but you're going to look like an ass clown when you kick it right <laughs> into the goalkeeper's lap, and he catches it and looks at you and goes, "Are you for real?" And then what do we do? Too busy diving left. What do so. we do? Melt after that? Is that basically know. how it works? It's a quick death. Mm. Flip the button and explosion. Uh huh. I'll take anything but melt. Actually, I'll take anything but drowning. Well, I just I figured you know like almost incineration where it's just kind of like you know the second he catches it he gives a half a beat for a laugh and then we're just gone. Or basically, just do like you get Thanos. to sit there after that? Basically, yeah. There you go. Do you have to, to watch us afterwards? Do you well, have I'd, to stand on the spot and I'd watch be everybody be gone? No, I, I want to be the first one gone. I, I thought it was everybody else. No, no, no. Uh, I think it's you. I'm assuming it's me too. I don't know. That didn't specify in the way I, you said no, it. No, I mean I would feel the amount of guilt. That's I the point. Tell you the amount of guilt that That's I. That's the point. You're the last one left. You and the goalkeeper. <laughs> so he can laugh at you and complain and yell at you for eternity. At least you're not alone. Well, I'm drilling it, so well, we're all good. No, because I got to separate you guys. He can yell at you every once in a while, maybe once a year, but you can't you can't hang out. No, because I would defeat the purpose. All right. Well, the good news is this is made up. World is not in our hands. If so, we would be doomed. We would be absolutely doomed. So all is well in the world. We will finish out this real world of the closing <laughs> bell when the Zach Gelb Show with Ronnie Key filling in does return right here on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to the Zach Gelb Show. Ryan Hickey in for Zach Gelb on this Thursday. The first preseason game of the night has come to an end. The Houston Texans mark it down in the who cares category. Beat the Patriots 20 to, 19, uh, 20 to 9. Excuse me, so... There you go, and C.J. Shroud's professional debut. His team does get the win there. All right, it is time for the closing bell. Another day is in the books, and we're taking stock of the sports world. It's time to find out who's up and who's down. Let's end the day right and hit the closing bell. Only on the Zach Gelb Show. All right, I'm sure you know the deal by now, but if not, I love to start with the stock downs first. We end the show on a positive note. We just talked about the Texans defeating the Patriots 20 to 9. We will, though, give a stock down to CJ Stroud. Rough, rough rookie debut. Lucky for him, hey, doesn't matter. Stats don't count. Two of four, 13 yards, one pick. That pick coming on the first drive of the game. Low, a little bit of a rough start there for Strad, the former number two overall pick. Also got sacked once as well. Tough uh, tough sledding for the first rounder. Um, so we'll give him 
stock down. Sell. Stock down to Phil Mickelson. Memoir of the book Gambler has come out, or at least excerpts, I should say, of the memoir are, are coming out, uh, detailing Billy Walters' gambling um, history. And a lot of that has to do with Phil Mickelson. And there's an excerpt released today detailing Phil's alleged gambling habits. And the book claims that over a 30-year stretch, Phil Mickelson has gambled a combined $1 billion. Billion with a B. And he's $100 million in the hole. Unbelievable. Insane the fact that he is putting that much money. I'll be honest. I'm a wimp here. I admit it. I, I, I know full well. I think the biggest bet I've ever had was $50. I am such a sore loser that anytime I lose, it's like the worst, worst thing that ever happened. So I cannot even, you know, gamble 50 bucks, let alone a billion dollars over uh, the course of 30 years. And also in this reporter, in this memoir, I should say, is alleged that Phil tried to gamble $400,000 on the Ryder Cup that he was playing in. Now, according to Billy Walters, the bet was not put through, and Phil has since taken a Twitter to de- to deny that claim. But not a good look for Phil Mickelson, and really bad if he tried to bet on matches he was playing and give a stock, stock down, though, to Phil. Sell! All right, let's go positive here. We just talked about Phil in a negative way. I want to talk about something related to Phil in a positive way, and that's Rory McIlroy. If you haven't heard this, take a listen. He's at the St. Jude Championship, part of the FedEx playoffs, uh, and he was at a press conference earlier today, and he was asked about his reaction to the uh, gambling reports about Phil Mickelson, and especially the Ryder Cup bet that he tried to put uh, down back in 2012. Here is Rory's take on that. I mean, at least he can bet on the Ryder Cup this year because he won't be a part of it, so... I love that response. I love the wittiness. I love the fact he's willing to go below the belt and is saying what's truly on his mind. I'm sure that's the first thing he thought about when he read that story. I'm sure he told a lot of his friends on the course that exact joke, and I'm glad he told us. Stock up, Roy McIlroy, for the honesty. Stock up, and this is almost an every night occurrence. Stock up to what Shohei Otani did last night in making history yet again. What history, you ask? Here it is. He had a home run last night, bringing his season total to 40 dingers on the year. He has now become the first player in MLB history to have 40 home runs and 10 wins in the same season. The unicorn just continues to dazzle. I know things have not gone well for the Angels since they kept Otani at the deadline. I still don't think it's the right move. Go for it. Keep a guy like that on your team. I'd rather lose him for nothing in the free agency then wave the white flag and trade him at the deadline for some scrub prospects that won't get past double-A. Stock up for another history night for Shohei Otani. An historical night, let me correct myself. And finally, stock up to the Colts. They did the right thing here. They are starting Anthony Richardson in the preseason game number one on Saturday uh, against the Bills. Look, I get it's preseason. I know there's still a month before the season, so things can change. The Colts, though, I think, are approaches the right way. Give Anthony Richardson all the leeway possible to have him show he can't earn the job. Give him every opportunity to lose the job. And if he doesn't, he's your starter week number one. But even though he's a project, even though he's 
very inexperienced, only starting one year at Florida. I think the Colts loading his plate now, not putting kid gloves on him, not setting him for a year, is the absolute right move. I hope he's a starter week number one, but for at least right now, Shane Sykin and co making the right call, starting him preseason game number one. Sock up to the Colts. That is going to do it for this edition of the Zach Gelb Show with Ryan and Phil. And really do appreciate the job Nick Theodoro did. Great job producing. Appreciate you for tuning in and making us a part of your Thursday right here on CBS Sports Radio. Don't go anywhere. JR Sport Brief is up next. If you like what you heard, check out the Hick at Night podcast, Night N-I-T-E. That's where you can find the duration of this show. And check me out on Saturday mornings, 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. right here on CBS Sports Radio.